to Feminist Buzzkills Live. This is our emergency episode because this week has been hell. You got Moji Alawodeo, that's me, and Liz Winstead. Hey guys, I have a very low voice. Um, I have COVID, I'm not going to lie. I uh, I got COVID and so I'm in mid-recovery. I'm doing fine. I'm just a little stuffy, but you know, God bless vaccines and boosters. Uh, I didn't get violently ill. So yay, science. Yay. Um, yeah, it's exciting. We decided that, you know, it's been it's been a week. We've been processing all this information and we wanted to, we couldn't just not have a pod this week. So we did, we decided to do a mini episode. We're bringing on an incredible guest, uh, Stephanie Toady, who we love. Uh, we wanted to bring on a lawyer who actually has argued before the Supreme Court and who also is doing this work, fighting against these laws that are happening on the ground to give us a little bit of a framing and a reset about where we're at now. So that is, um, that's it. And also, cause there's just like a lot of shit happening fast and furiously and, uh, Literally, Liz, day to day, week to week, it, week week to week, day to day, hour to hour. It yeah. feels like things are changing and there's new information, new misinformation, new outrage, and we just can't sit on it. We just can't sit on it. And this has been a week that has, uh, just since the leak, you know, we have seen people tripping over themselves to be more shitty than the next about um, experience taking this from abortion and putting it into, and, and, you know, Marsha Blackburn saying, oh, married women shouldn't be able to have birth control, you know, IVF, ectopic pregnancies, uh, any IUDs, plan B, uh, medication abortion. Like it's all just a hailstorm to make sure that your body is some kind of fucking baby making factory for the government. Oh, for sure. If you're not actively gestating, you are a crime scene. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally surprised they're not saying let's just kill all the postmenopausal women <laughs> because they're taking up space, <laughs> you know, and it, and it feels like uh, it feels like that's happening. And I just feel like we wanted to a just acknowledge that, that we know that's happening and that feels really scary, but uh, there's people who will be, out in these streets, fighting against those laws, proving that they're unconstitutional. And, um, you know, Griswold, the decision that gave birth control, everybody the right to birth control is still very much the law of the land. So them trying to do that is, um, there's people that are gonna defend that shit by hook or by crook. And we can only hope that the bridge too far is happening where if they're gonna literally push for us just to be weenie garages and like, insemination machines, um, that, that will be enough, you know, I hope, uh, or at least it will, should be enough for all of us who have been complacent to step up, move out and do what is necessary. You can no longer sit back and do nothing that is just not acceptable in a society that is harming women and people on a gender continuum, uh, profoundly. 
it is hard doing harm and it is our jobs as people who have humanity to stop harm any way we can. 1000%. Yeah. So uh, let's get to our guest uh, and keep this pot a mini. Our guest is the attorney who argued and won the landmark Supreme Court abortion case, Whole Woman's Health v. Hellerstad. She and her team of badass attorneys at the Lawyering Project continue fighting other unconstitutional state laws around the country, including this latest shit Texas law. Please welcome Senior Counsel and Project Director at the Lawyering Project, Stephanie Todi. Hey, Steph. Hey, Liz. Hey, everyone. It's really great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's really wonderful to have you. We are so fortunate to have you here to talk about this. So as I stated, you've argued before the Supreme Court in front of Alito, Thomas, and Roberts. Were you expecting Alito's full evisceration of Roe? And what were your initial reactions to the document? I have to say the the content of the leaked opinion did not come as a surprise but it definitely still felt like a gut punch. Um, And, uh, you know, I think that I, you know, I have certainly been kind of mentally preparing for the court, um, you know, to roll back protection for abortion rights and and potentially overturn Roe. And, you know, my colleagues have been as well, but to actually see it in black and white and, and grapple with some of the reasoning in that, opinion, you know, like women and people of color are not entitled to any greater legal status than they had in the 18th century ever. Um, you know, it's just, it's it's really hard. And I, I feel like that opinion is seeking to wipe, just completely wipe out and obliterate, you know, 50 years of progress towards reproductive health and gender equality um, you know, and it's, it's just, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. It, it felt just, um, and I guess they're not mutually exclusive anymore, but it felt like it was written by an anti-abortion activist and not a jurist. And it just, it was just so targeted and it felt very insulting to also the judges that came before him, the justices that came before him that really wrote these opinions with thoughtfulness and everything. It just felt like it just, it just shat on the institution, the people that came before him, all of it. I just, it was, it, it just felt, I don't know. That was my take on it as just a lay person. It was like, this doesn't feel professional or constitutional or thoughtful. It feels like a screed. Also, I feel like we were talking about potential worst case scenarios and this was actually it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I do think it's important um, to keep in mind that this was just a draft and it's, you know, it was a draft from February. And so it's possible that the, you know, that the outcome could be different. It's entirely possible that the, the reason that the opinion leaked at this time is because, um, you know, some of the justices, you know, were in the, you know, change, change their minds or in the process of changing their minds, or were trying to soften the opinion and, um, you know, maybe somebody didn't, did, did, you know, wanted to lock it in, um, in its, its original worst case scenario form. But I just, for the people out there, like I've been, you know, I've been getting calls from friends and family members, like, so is abortion illegal now? And also, um, from folks asking, like, I was supposed to have a round of IVF next week. Like, is that going to be canceled now? And like, the answer is no. 
um, because this opinion isn't the law yet. It might, it still might not be the law. Um, and even if it is, its impact is going to be different in different places. And so I think it's going to be really important um, whatever happens in June for us to get the word out about what it means for people um, in different places and where people will still be able to access legal abortion care in this country and, and other reproductive health services. I think that's so important. You know, I just did a, a sort of round table with a bunch of like politically is like an organization that was full of like people who got activated in 2018. And there was 400 mostly women on this call who the first question they asked was, is abortion still legal? So I, I can't stress enough what Stephanie just said. Please understand abortion right now is still legal. This is a draft. Um, even John Roberts said it has changed since this draft. We don't know what it has changed to. Um, but the fact that people still don't know and, and asking questions about IVF and stuff like that's just it, it just makes me feel so sad because it just makes me feel like people I know I personally and so many people I talk with feel like they they aren't regarded with value in this country. And I think that taking away your your value as a human, which is what this decision did and the rhetoric it used to justify its language really laid that out profoundly. And I feel it's really scary. So I guess, Steph, with that in mind, like what should we be bracing for in the aftermath of whatever the final decision looks like? I mean, I I think we're going to have to brace for the emotional reality of what you just said and the emotional impact of what you just said that, um, you know, the Supreme Court may well um, issue an opinion that that devalues the humanity and dignity of, you know, women and gender expansive folks all across the country. And I think we need to be prepared to to fight back against that um, and, and to support to, to be able to support folks with those identities and, and, you know, make sure that they know that they are not less than, um, and they are just as, as deserving, um, of legal protection and happiness and control over their bodies and, and decision-making authority as, as everybody else. I think that's one piece of it. Um, I think the other piece is, um, you know, working together to find a way that everyone can get the health care that they need. And that might mean developing transportation networks, um, donating money to, um, to travel funds, abortion funds, practical support networks, um, uh, you know, for the health care providers out there in in states um, where abortion will, will still be legal um, and where the value of abortion care is recognized for, for folks that haven't provided abortion care in the past, but are qualified to do it, to seriously consider whether now is the time um, to start offering abortion care, because there's there's gonna be you know, huge increased demand um, in states where abortion is legal, as well as a huge need to help people get to those states. Um, and I think just starting to, you know, to, to think about those logistics and, and ways that we can all help the folks on the ground who are trying to make that happen and support them will be really important. Yeah, we're pretty excited, Steph. I don't know if you know this, we're um, 
we're putting together a, a, a sustained campaign um, that's launching on July 17th called Operation Save Abortion. And what we're doing is we're having asking people to gather in house parties around the country. And then we're pulling all of the grassroots organizations that are doing practical support, abortion funding, do laying legislative work. Um, we're bringing everyone to New York and we're going to do a series of live conversations that will be beamed into people's houses and then giving them workshop opportunities um, after each conversation. Um, and at the end of the day, they'll have this panoply of, of uh, orientation of where they can help. And then we're going to vet everybody who signed up and then sign them up with the organizations doing the work on the ground, because we need to expand these networks that are doing this work, because a lot of people don't know that mostly they're volunteers um, and they're, and, and that they exist, right? So to get people involved so that they can like take a break, people need self-care. You know, a lot of these organizations doing this massive work have like 10 employees, 12 employees. So if we can create robust, uh, screened and um, enthusiastic volunteer bases for folks, I think that um, that kind of stuff's going to make a difference. So I feel excited about that. Um, Mo, do you want to take the next one, I think? Yeah, I did. I also wanted to just say, when just go back a, a little bit, you know, you guys were talking about people calling and being like, what's next? Or like, has abortion been banned? And, and I just want to remind something, we say at AF a lot, but remind people that a lot of times these bans are in place just to confuse people, right? People like have no idea what is happening. Um, and I and one of the things that's exciting to me about OSA is that we're gonna have we're gonna create volunteers for people, but also we're gonna create a knowledge base, like someone people can go to in their community and be like, well, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the things uh that Liz and I had questions about in our talking is like when people talk about Roe, they're like, oh, maybe it wasn't argued properly, right? Or argued strongly. And for non-lawyering people, that's a really kind of cerebral conversation. But is this opportunity of like the anticipated end of row as we know it, um, is this an opportunity for a stronger case to come to a court and maybe a different court, right? Um, to For abortion rights, for like bodily autonomy, or do you think that we're really just going to be stuck with, well, abortion isn't mentioned in the constitution, so oh well. Um, that's a great question. Let me just first say this action that you're planning, um, uh, you know, in New York and, and online sounds amazing. And I'm so glad that you're doing that and so excited about it. Um, and so just thank you for that. It's going to be so helpful. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, is this an opportunity? I mean, I, you know, I feel like every defeat is an opportunity, you know, and that, um, and that we, I really challenge myself to try to be constructive about it rather than just depressed and, and rather just, you know, focusing on what we are about to lose, you know, to, to try to think, you know, how is this an opportunity to, to build something better? Um, you know, realistically, I'm not sure that the, the, the logic of Roe or like the rationale is um, really what's driving events right now. You know, I think, you know, there are, um, there are folks on the court who, you know, are just very outcome driven and it doesn't matter how good the argument is, how, you know, like how amazing and, and um, the argument, you know, the legal arguments are how beautifully the briefs are written. Um, you know, they, this outcome would have been the same, but at the same time, 
these folks who are on the court now aren't going to be on the court forever. And this isn't the only court in the country that has power. There are 50 states with um, 50 state Supreme Courts. And we kind of have an an opportunity now to to go out there in a more um, grassroots way and, you know, build out the abortion right one state at a time um, and then, you know, come back into the federal courts and um, maybe have a new Supreme Court strategy somewhere down the line where the justices are different or maybe there's, you know, there's been some more transformation in in their thinking or, or approach to the law. I think that's um, I think that's really good advice to remind people of the different courts we have and the different ways that we have to think about um, how we how we show up as citizens. Right. It's like if you demand it in your state and a bunch of state Supreme Courts have said, we believe that this is your autonomy and or our state has codified this into our state. Um bringing that to say, shouldn't this be a federal thing if all of our states believe that it's a thing um, or most of our states believe it's a thing. I think those things are really good to um, think about. You know, so I'm just curious, as you are somebody who you and your firm have been um, fighting against these laws um, for years now around the country, how does your legal strategy change in a post-row world? Like, what? how do we fight and how does the fight go for you? I think it it will depend in part on what the you know the final opinion in in June actually says, but I think you know there's there's going to be a, a lot of um, attention and, and resources shifted to ensuring that people can get to the places where the healthcare they need is available. Um, and so you know there's there's all kinds of legal issues um, you know just just around that and you know some mundane things about helping people to travel like insurance coverage and contracts and and that kind of stuff. So you know some of the focus is going to be there. Um, I think there will also be a lot of work around ensuring that people can disseminate accurate information about abortion and about um, where abortion is is accessible and how to access abortion. Um, and the anti-choice folks are, are not going to stop, even if um, the court overturns Roe. I think they're going to continue pushing um, for more unconstitutional laws, trying to limit people's ability to travel, trying to limit people's ability to speak about abortion, um, and to continue to create chaos, as, as you were saying earlier, chaos and uncertainty and fear. And so I think a lot of work is going to be needed to kind of dispel that, to, to get the word out to people about what rights they still have, where and how they can access abortion care and other essential health care, um, and to, you know, to, to continue to fight back against efforts to, um, you know, further restrict people's rights. We see now sort of in the wake of this leak before then, but definitely in the wake of this leaks, um, anti-choice activists and legislatures are giddy, right? And so like, they're positively giddy. And so will you be busy challenging these states who are barfing out all kinds of other bans, bans that, um, bans on contraception and possibly IVF and even ectopic pregnancy bans. Like, will you talk about, can you talk about the trend and just where you see it going? Sure. 
I mean, I, I want to hope that we're not busy doing those things, <laughs> same, but, same. Um, but, you know, we, we may well be, and we're definitely prepared, you know, we're prepared for that, you know, fight if we have to fight it. Um, you know, I think that the, you know, the, the, the trend is, is definitely towards, um, you know, the handmaiden's tale, like we, you know, like the opinion, you know, it it said that, you know, the, the, the constitution only protects rights that existed in the 18th century and women and gender expansive folks didn't have a lot of rights back then. We were property. Mm -hmm. We were property. (laughs) Right. Right. Not, not to mention, you know, people of color and LGBT folks and, um, you know, so, uh, you know, there's there's definitely a push um, for a national ban on abortion at the federal level. There's going to be efforts in in all of the states to, you know, further restrict contraception and assisted reproductive technologies. You were saying, and um, you know, I think my you know my colleagues and I and and lawyers, you know, all across this movement are you know are definitely going to be prepared to to fight against those efforts and um and you know hopefully people will will mobilize and you know um the you know the great work that you guys are doing and other organizers around the country are doing to kind of help people mobilize and, and help people fight back um is is gonna be critical in those in those battles ahead. And maybe if enough people fight back um, you know, we won't have to have those court battles. Um, maybe they could put enough pressure on the political systems in their state to prevent some of those things from happening. But we all know that those systems are rigged. And so, um, you know, we need kind of everybody, you know, pushing in the same direction and, and everybody doing their part um, to, to, to stop the situation from getting worse and then eventually make the situation better. You know, Stephanie, your words are so important, and I was so happy to talk to you, especially because you are fighting and hear the arguments on a daily basis from these different states who are these microcosms of the larger Supreme Court that goes to your point of like, there is no rationale that's going to change their minds. They don't bring these uh, arguments or these laws because of anything that makes any sense other than just um, some weird interpretation of what our body should be. And oftentimes it's biblical and and oftentimes it has nothing to do with anything. So um, I think your words are wise. And I, and I just want to thank you for taking the time, knowing how busy you are to talk to us about that. Is there anything in final thoughts that we didn't hit or something that you think folks should know that, that you have, that would be like some wisdom that they could hear before we let you go? I wish I had wisdom. I don't really have any wisdom to offer. Um, you know, the one thing I would say is don't don't give up and and don't be demoralized. Um, or it's okay to be demoralized, but don't let that um, stop you from being engaged in mobilizing um, and and fighting back. This this isn't the end. This is this is a point in time, and we're going to move forward from here. Um, and I appreciate you guys um, and and all the work that you're doing to keep people informed and engaged. And there are um, so many abortion funds, practical support organizations, grassroots organizations, independent abortion providers, all across the country. You know, doing the same thing, and we just 
we just have to keep doing our thing and doing it together. And so thank That's you right. so much. Yeah. And if you don't know and the names of any of them, you can always just, you know, email us at, you know, info at, at aafront.org and we will direct you exactly where you need to. We'll make introductions. We'll screen you. We'll, we'll do all that stuff to make sure that you don't feel like, I don't know what to do. Um, but Stephanie, first of all, you have many answers and you are brilliant and you are fighting every day. And we want to thank you so much for your work. And also, I just want to say, if you did not know that the Lawyering Project is a 501c3, which means you can make a tax deductible donation to the Lawyering Project. Stephanie, where would one make a tax deductible donation to the Lawyering Project if they chose to? You can go to our website, which is lawyeringproject.org. Thanks, Liz. Of course. Uh, Stephanie, Tony, thanks for fighting the fight. We're always here to help you in any way you need. And thank you for making the world a better place. Thank you. Stephanie Tony is such a calming person, so smart. So it was like so exciting when she argued um, the whole women's health, the hell shed. In that case, just we didn't really get into the case that she argued, but that was the case of the first time around with all those terrible, shitty Texas laws. Remember when Wendy Davis was on the steps of or was arguing and filibustering in the in the Texas uh, legislature? Um, that was the law that she argued and won at the Supreme Court. And she is a tireless fighter of all these cases. And and I just, I feel like her wisdom is really smart. I really feel like I'm really going to take away too that we're part of a continuum. We really have to focus on what's going to happen in the state so we can go back to the federal. There's work to be done. Talking to her really felt like a, um, a meditation with a person who like knew what they were talking about. I was like, Oh, she's guiding us calmly through this. It was a treat. I would genuinely call that a treat and the best way to like pull together an emergency pod. A hundred percent. And I'm so excited. We got to this emergency pod. Uh, We were going to take the week off because we um, were planning to do the big March on Saturday. So folks, um, if you are marching anywhere around the country, uh, Take your photos and upload them using the hashtag AbortionAF uh, so that we can like share your photos. We just want to see where you're at. Um, also, if you're in New York and you want to march with Abortion Access Front and your feminist buzzkills, we will be uh, marching. The march starts at Cadman Plaza. If you want to meet us there at 1130 a.m., in the New York City, in the Brooklyn, actually. In the Brooklyn. Um, you can find us. We will be at the uh, the War Memorial, and you'll know it's us because we will have the gigantic heads of all the crappy six Supreme Court justices. Uh, you can't miss us. Uh, we'll be there. So come, march with us. And then and if, if you, you can't, can't march... march- you can come to Foley Square and we will be tabling there and collecting information and sharing information and talking more about Operation Save Abortion. If you want to hear one-on-one conversations about it, we'll also have some stuff to give away, some stickers, some tattoos. We'll be and- selling t-shirts. <laughs> we have all kinds of stuff, a lot of good giveaways. But mm-hmm. yeah, actually, we really want you to jump in and, and think about Operation Save Abortion because it's as we are panicking and raging and donating to these funds, we want to make sure that it doesn't die out and that we create a sustained mechanism for folks to continually get involved so that these practical support funds and the clinics and the abortion funds 
can always be in the conversation in the zeitgeist and are constantly being fed with new volunteers and new revenue streams. So having said that, we will be back with our regularly scheduled pod next week. It's going to be a dues. Uh, we'll be back with Marie. So for now, y'all are awesome. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in these streets over the weekend and we will see you next Friday. Bye, everyone. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is popping, we pop off. New episodes drop Friday. Listen, subscribe, give us five stars.